Boy, I cannot wait for Taylor Seafood. Sounds delicious. All right. You are listening to Talking I.O., a podcast about technology in the real world, where we discuss enterprise technology, how to sell it, and how it best helps your customers. Your hosts are Christian Cloud and Stuart Harmon, and we work for Dell EMC. Follow us on TalkingIO.com or on Twitter at TalkingIO. Welcome to episode number two, season three of Talking IO. This is Christian Cloud. This is Stuart Harmon. I think that's uh, one more episode than we got out of season two. <laughs> this is season two. We're point back on the roll. One. Yeah. It's like anything. You got to get it like working out or something. You just got to make it routine and habit and not. Sure. Sure. Um, what's on What's on the uh, agenda today, Stuart? So it's kind of a, again, this isn't a straight up uh technology podcast today right it's um christian and i are, are both i think somewhat unique but i think it's really important in that we do a lot of, of ongoing education i know anybody in the technology profession right we we all have ongoing education if we're going to be part of this career um but i also do a lot of things that are not technology related uh and i think they've actually been really valuable to personal growth and development um my ability and then they tie back into to my career at the end of the day really well um and you know, it's a little bit of the ADD thing, but, you know, you can only do a computer thing for so many hours a day or so many days in the week, right? And it's great. Um, there's a few things that I do that really get you away from work 100%. When I come back to work, I'm far more recharged than just taking a, a weekend off. So in terms of personal development, or you're not you're not talking about work trainings. You're talking about things to just improve yourself as an individual, as a work. Things that I've wanted to know how to do just in general my whole life. Awesome. Um, you know, for me, it started, I don't know, 10 years ago. Um, uh, you know, it really annoyed me that I was a grown adult and I still didn't know how to ride a motorcycle. Everyone I'd been over, been on, I had fallen off of. Um, and it drove me, like, I don't know. I just felt like I'm, I'm a grown man and I don't know how to ride a motorcycle. And I don't know why that bugged me, uh, but it did. And so... You know, that's kind of where I think outside of the, the corporate, because, you know, it takes you a while. You get through college and then there's still you get out of college and you still know absolutely nothing. Um, <laughs> right. And it takes a long time. And so you spend so much of your brain power and hours, I think, really developing your career, especially that first you know decade out of school. Absolutely. Right. Um, but I got through that and then work wasn't taken all day, every day to, you know, all of my mental capacity to go do. Um, and I want to be able to go grow and develop in other areas that weren't technology related. I know you do a few things. I got a whole list of them here. I'll, I'll talk all day on, but yeah, I think you're better prepared than me for this one. Meaning not that, uh, just because I didn't compile a list, but why don't you go first and then I'll. Yeah. So, you know, in the last, I don't know, 10 years, eight years, right. I, uh, there's a few things I've always wanted to be able to sail. And you know, I sailed a little bit as a kid, little boats, um, you know, joined a club did the American sailing association, um, you know, got through, it's the 104 course for anybody out there that does it, uh, you know, spent, you know, it was a lot of hours learning that. And it's not just, you know, a lot of these activities aren't just the activity. It's uh, some of these larger activities that can be very much a, a lifestyle or a lifetime hobby. Um, you know, the, the physical act of sailing takes a very short amount of time to learn. I think it's kind of like flying a plane, like you can learn to fly a plane and land a plane in relatively short time. Um, but understanding how to operate it, how to maintain the systems, uh, how to you know follow navigation charts, right? There's there's a, a huge ecosystem around the physical activity. 
uh, I think it's really cool. And it's things that when you go do that, like I said, it, it really gets me away from work 100% um, because you have to put all your mind, you know, if you're, you're dealing with a 20-ton vessel or a 10-ton vessel, whatever they are, um, there's not a lot of room for m- margin for error there. Uh, you know, these things don't just drive like a car with brakes on them. There's no brakes on them. Um, and then that allowed me the opportunity a few years ago, I got to go to the British Virgin Islands and sail the British Virgin Islands without having to hire a captain. Um, you know, I've sailed the San Juans, which we were, Christian and I both live in Seattle, for those of you that are new to the show. Um, you know, I've had an opportunity to sail the San Juans, and then we're looking at Thailand in a few years, maybe going back to the British Virgin Islands. That's pretty cool. Um, and it gives you a way to go see the community and the people, and but it takes a lot of work to get there, right? It's not a, it's not a, a, a two-hour course. It's not a couple of weeknights. Right. Um, so I have not done this yet, but on my list is, uh, actual, I'd like to be a pilot. Um, I just haven't committed to, um, I'll write off a couple of things that I'm interested in as well. So it's just, there's only so many hours in a day, right? So I need to make, carve that out and, and make that happen. But, um, you know, I was trying to decide what I want to fly a seaplane or a helicopter. And I, and I did ask a friend of mine who is a pilot here in, in Washington about, seaplane part and he said well you need to get your pilot's license first period and then that's an extra license on top of it right but it's that once you know how to fly the seaplane portion of it, it's a lot faster and quick i mean you have after you know how to fly it's, he said it's, yeah, it's, it's a certification on certification top of, yeah, 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 yeah yeah that's a better way it's like i uh i did scuba diving a couple of years ago mm-hmm. five years ago mm-hmm. um and like i got a dry suit certification because the water up here is just freezing cold um and like the scuba part was the big part, and the the dry suit cert was just a little increment right. on top of it, right? It was right, no big right. deal. My goal has really been—I guess I should open with that—is it is, my goal is to always learn one new thing a year, and not one like, you know, McDonald's has a new hamburger out today or something, right? Like one relatively yeah. mentally intense, physically yeah. intense thing a year. I've always appreciated that about you. Like, you know, what's funny is I had a, a friend of mine um, that said that uh, I do a bunch of random things. and I had heard that about myself. <laughs> yeah, and, I, and some things I don't find as random just because I understand why I'm doing it. And some things also build on another, right? So, for example, um, I mentioned in a previous podcast that I took a – well, I did improv for a while, and then I took a storytelling workshop through the improv, improv group here in Seattle. And uh, – there was actually a practical reasons to why I did that. And it was one, just wanting to hone my skills as a presenter. Um, you know, we sit through a lot of presentations. Uh, as a matter of fact, I'm, I, you know, <laughs> we'll be going to one here soon at a uh, home office. And I'm sure there's going to be a lot of dry content. And, um, and, and that's not because the content in and of itself is dry, but sometimes how it's presented, right? And we start talking about speeds and feeds and they can click our content is really boring if you don't have a purpose to use it right just just knowing things that need to be out there can be very very boring i was was trying to be gentle because this will go out to the greater (laughs) but yeah no some of our stuff is is a little dry and i promise nobody listening to this is not falling asleep in the middle of a keynote session yeah that's true so here's the the thing that something i learned from the storytelling workshop though just it's uh this particular group, um, actually the founder um, is the guy who does the podcast Risk, um, which is uh, essentially random people 
presenting their stories in front, in front of an audience, right? And I've heard some pretty incredible stories um, via the podcast and just even through the workshops. And one thing that people forget to do in a corporate setting, and uh, for us happens to be technology, is they focus so much on the product and not the people. So it's hard to tell a story about a server. Yeah. It's, it's an inanimate not object that serves a simple function for the most part. But the story is the person who's operating it. And I think that's kind of what I learned. So a little tangent. But I think that's something that I, that I want to bring into my presentations. So anyway, on the outside looking in, it may seem random that I'm taking a storytelling class. But I'm hoping that it'll make me a better communicator at the pub just as well as on the, uh, on the job. I'm a you know a career sales guy for my entire life and deep in technology, right? And uh, you got to sell a story, right? It's yeah. uh, I got I found myself I think I've been watching too much Westworld or something, but I was <laughs> like, what's the narrative for what we're trying to get across here, yeah. right? Especially yeah. the yeah. the higher you go and and you're not and I don't care if you're a an end user or a salesperson, right, or a, a system administrator. At the end of the day, you're going to need something new new server, a new data center, right, uh, a, a transformational technology. If you can't articulate that and give your people with the money, uh, you know, a good reason, um, they're not going to do it. It's funny, you took a, a presenting class. I'm going to give some visual aids here that you, you can't see on the air, but um, I do a lot of whiteboarding, you know, for, for my role as well. And I am a terrible drawer i you know i think i had one of those mean art teachers and i was a little boy that wanted to go crash into stuff and uh i hated art my whole life like drawing and everything and so the last eight weeks um my girlfriend and i have started took uh just a local community college basics of drawing course <clears throat> and literally could not draw a stick figure eight weeks ago um i'm gonna show christian a couple of things i did um so did and, and you know it was, it was once a week Showing Christian some still lifes here. It's pretty good. Um, yeah. You know, and I'm still not, it's eight hours of work. It's not like a huge coursework. It's my final self portrait there um, <laughs> that I did this Monday night. We just wrapped up That's the class. That's awesome. And like, they're not, these aren't, you know, it's not Picasso here. Um, but you can like tell what. Van Gogh it, it, that's what somebody else said too. <laughs> yeah. They're like, I love how you did an homage to Van Gogh. I was like, <laughs> who? <laughs> Go where? It's <laughs> um, a little bit of genius in you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But, you know, it's amazing things that, and I think it's also an important thing, and I was reading an article on this recently, um, and it was talking about the Chinese system of education versus the American, and mm -hmm. one of the things they did well is in America, we go, oh, well, your talent's football, and your talent is drawing, and your talent is dancing, and your talent is math, and if your talent's not math, and your talent's English, and right, and then we, we let kids kind of follow that path, where in, in China, they believe that, like, everybody can learn their language everybody can learn math and it's not a matter of it's your natural talent it's a matter of you are going to go take the mental time and effort to accomplish it maybe you won't be a masterpiece where like i'm right. never going to draw a masterpiece here but right. i can draw something that you can tell is human and i couldn't even tell it was like a line like eight weeks ago right um i couldn't keep a motorcycle upright without falling off of it a few years ago and now i've put thousands of miles on it yeah. right um anyways I, I think it's really important to, to keep the brain adapting and now that i'm getting older I can see where in another 20 years, continually bringing new information in and not letting your brain go weak is, I think, going to be, you know, yeah. when you start hitting 60, 70, 80, 90, right? Um, yeah, I, I, I agree with that. So this, uh, when I was in my 20s, there was a uh, 
band or whatever, for lack of a better word. There's a musical, electronic musical group that I was into, and one of the lead or key members of the group was a performance artist. And this is the early internet days, and I would get on the internet and, and this is probably use GeoCities to build this site. <laughs> it's like this kind of a blog, but it was before blogs were a thing. And it, uh, he wrote an article on uh, experience, age, and stopping time. So anyway, his theory was that you can slow time down by experiencing new things, doing new things, like in learning something new. And it is kind of funny, like, you know, you find people who do, they complain a lot. They'll say, uh, you know, life's flying by. Life's, and I, I, not all the time, right? But I feel like oftentimes, and even myself, I've caught myself in this rut. It's when you go to work, go home, go to sleep, and it's just rinse, piece, rinse and repeat. Um, uh, it, things seem to speed up, but there's something magical about even uh, being exciting, excited about um, an activity after work, right? You're like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, yeah, I can't wait to get off work so I can do this thing. And then there's something also really magical for me about being lost into some, in something. Like, um, uh, so an activity that I do is I love to uh, ferment foods, right? So, um, and... Yeah, that's as weird as it sounds, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> it's... It, it, and it went, for, it went from, like, I... I, I was starting to get into doing, I know it's kind of like, this is going to sound so hipster now, but because, uh, but I wanted to kind of go back to how my grandparents were doing things. Um, I, I know you and I talked a long time ago about even shaving, using the old razors, and just kind of doing things, you know, everything's so disposable and, and, and fast now. There's a, a, there, there's, there can be joy, uh, like I heard someone say recently, just the act of, and I don't smoke, but rolling a cigarette, like just the art of that is so much more satisfying than buying a pack of marbles. Like there's, he said there's a different feel to it and he enjoys the cigarette a lot more by, you know, by doing that. So anyway, um, that was kind of important for me. I wanted to start kind of getting to the crafts of old. Um, and my grandmother was big into canning. So she'd make her own jams and preserves and and whatnot. So anyway, that's how I started. And, uh, I was informed by my mom that I was going to kill somebody if I didn't, follow the directions correctly botulism and all that other good stuff the risk is real <laughs> yeah so so then then when i started investigating i was like oh i never thought about fermenting food so at first it was canning like just straight canning veggies and, and jams and preserves um and then it went to fermentation and then which to be honest with you it's kind of hard to hurt someone because the salt kills so much and it smells so bad if you it's, do it wrong yeah well, it gets a little <laughs> over, over overly right but um the craft behind it, though, the time it takes, like you make even like sauerkraut, probably one of the easiest things to do. But there's something satisfying about like kneading that cabbage, kneading with a K, not with a N. <laughs> um, there's massaging the cabbage and watching, it, and then and even the process watching the. Uh, I don't need cabbage yet. <laughs> I'm, I'm like crying over here because she's like going on about cabbage. Yeah. Well, can you see like? a romantic picture i need you that's <laughs> gonna be a good i want to make a t-shirt this picture i need surrounded you. by cabbage how about a sourdough like the rose petals instead of the rose petals and <laughs> i'm gonna do a t-shirt with a sourdough bun <coughs> on it i need you do it yes if anyone does that uh 
Royalties. Royalties. So, but it, but anyway, it's there. There's something really um, about learning crafts or arts, baking, furniture making. I think those those are some of that type type of activities I've enjoyed getting into because it's um, kind of a throwback to a different time, a lot simpler time, and it kind of also teaches you patience. Um, like I'm a terrible baker. Like I'm a very good cook until I start to bake. And one reason I'm not a good baker is because I don't follow directions very well. Meaning, like, if I'm doing a saute, like, you know, if you're doing, like, stovetop, you know, like, stir-fry or something like that, I can just throw whatever I want in, just yeah. taste it. If you do that with a cake or bread, you're going to come out with something that you didn't want to uh, eat. <laughs> yeah, you can get away with bread a little bit, not cake. Cake. Wait, it's like I recently I made, uh, was it brownies? I, it doesn't matter what I made, but anyway. They were flat and disgusting. And um, did you forget the salt? I forgot everything. Oh. Like, huh? I, just did, I just I I was just throwing stuff in to taste, and then it just didn't turn out right. So it's um, but I I enjoy activities that make me slow down and appreciate uh, the time and the craft that goes into it. Anyway, yeah. Um, you know, my big one, as you've heard me probably talk about far too much in the last year and a half, two years, is uh, I love to ski. And I was up on the hill wondering why I didn't have fresh tracks when I was first in line for the ski lifts. Um, so I joined the ski patrol, uh, which has been a really amazing That's experience. Cool, yeah. um, you know, I thought I was going to have to, like, learn how to run the, the toboggans and take down injured people. And it's a real, like, there's a 100 hours of hands-on medical training to go with it. Like, it's a pretty high-level thing. Uh, and it's all volunteer. Um, but it's done a couple of things for me. One, it's got me in better shape because it's, it's real work. Um, now I... It's, technically i believe like qualifies an emergency medical responder under the federal guidelines so i can join some of the community emergency systems right so now i can be part of the disaster preparedness part of the disaster preparation teams in my community uh lets me go back into that you know you're helping people that are that are really injured uh in, in kind of a specialized environment um but it's also it's been it's been kind of funny in my my sales side because as we do trainings for new people or other folks right they're short, fast trainings, very hands-on and interactive. Um, but their, their training methodology is one that I've been able to take back into my professional career, um, as well as some of the, you know, even as you go on, leadership is, a, is an ongoing development piece as well, right? And, and the practice for running scene management with multiple responders um, to an emergency scenario that's a high-stress, high-pressure environment where you have to communicate with people virtually, right? Radios for our virtual, but uh, you know, walkie-talkies out on the mountain. Um, but virtually, you've got new people coming into the scene that you have to brief within seconds for an emergency, right? Somebody's in severe pain, possibly life-threatening uh, injuries. Um, it's actually taught me a lot about how to communicate with my virtual team, how to present and communicate, articulate ideas better, how to get to the point faster so people have not, you know, Nobody's died or, you know, in my, our corporate world, right? Stop paying attention before I get to the, to the point of the story um, and to articulate and brief things fast. And so it's, um, I don't know, it's, it's actually been really beneficial per, personally, uh, but it's also helped me be able to roll that into my professional career uh, as well. Mm. You, you know, uh, another observation is, uh, like when people think that you're doing random things, I think... I kind of look at life a little bit like a uh, uh, when I was growing up, I was a Sierra was the name of video game maker. Yeah, um, yeah, they did like 
Police Quest and uh, uh, Space Quest, and they were. They, I remember. Yeah, like I, I can't remember the what, what how you classify those games, but pretty much they're role playing games, and um, you would do something at one stage of the game that would affect the outcome later. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you didn't understand, obviously, what the outcome was going to be, but you made a decision, whatever, whether it be right or wrong or different, um, that definitely played a role in how the game ended. Um, and I think different endings sometimes showed themselves based off of decisions, right? And I, I, I look at actual life that way, too, because um, not only do you get to learn a new craft or you know expand your mind, but then like also get to meet amazing people and because you meet uh, like-minded people um, and it seems like every time like, I've got involved in something so for example for I did a um, I've kind of fallen off a little bit but Russian martial arts for many years yeah. and anyone that I've um, I, I, I literally everyone I, I, I can think of right now has just been a complete gym um, and it's just a certain type of person would even be interested in a martial art that's not even that popular or mainstream, I should say. So first off, how did you even find it? Yep. And then two, are you willing to endure the things that they put you through? Um, and and uh, just, I don't know, there's just a camaraderie involved with that that, um, that I look forward to. So I've learned a lot from the people, not just doing the activity. I found the same thing both with, you know, the community of, of bikers, uh, sailors, uh, ski patrol people, they all seem to be fairly similar people, actually, right? A little mm-hmm. bit of an outdoor adventure-seeking mm-hmm. crowd. Um, but we see a lot of like-minded people, we think, because we work in this, you know, tech nerd world um, where we see the same cookie-cutter person day in, day out. And it's great to go, like you were saying, go to one of those, a, a different activity where they're like-minded in that activity and they're similar to you, but it's not the same we get so stuck in our corporate culture, and if you never break out of work and you never do something different, um, you just become a drone. And when you do that, yeah. then you can come back, I think, to work with fresh eyes. Yeah. Uh, you're not just like every other corporate guy out there with the same, you yeah. know, hipster beard and <laughs> skinny jeans that everybody seems to be wearing. Right? I mean, it, it allows you to really yeah. see a different part of the population that yeah. I think we get really isolated from, especially living in Seattle, a tech town. I get so isolated from, you know, things that aren't tech related or tech community that yeah uh, it drives me nuts so anyway it's been great to follow that also well you know being a uh hardware salesperson and technologist i've always um well focused on the hardware right so um i ended up not doing this because i uh it didn't fit my schedule because it required me to be in uh um in an actual classroom setting more than my, we try we travel a lot by the way everyone so but uh, um, I wanted to learn the software side of the house better. So University of Washington had a coding boot camp that um, uh, they put you through some tests and I passed it and you know see if you have aptitude for it. And I was so excited to go through that um, just because I feel I feel like uh, have from, you done it yet? Uh, no, I had. Okay. I, I, yeah. Um, the uh, I had to, so I got accepted and I was supposed to I I would have finished this upcoming January, I think. Um, so it's uh, about 12 weeks. Does that sound right? Like about six months, I think. It's about 12 weeks. Um, and they teach like uh, uh, basic software stack from a web development standpoint. And why I thought this would have been very useful for me is because 
it gave you uh, some insight on how to uh, um, on, on the back end of a database as it relates to, to, to web applications and stuff like that. So, um, but long story short, it's working on the hardware side of the house. You have even on in a professional setting, you get a certain type of personality, yes. which is so different than DevOps type people. Just different type of person. And I wanted to have a better understanding just from what the type of jobs that we, Stuart and I have, um, of uh, be able to speak both languages. Yeah, I've done the same. I finished, uh, I've been doing, we've both done Coursera before. Mm-hmm. I finished, it's, yeah. I think University of Michigan is the class, but I finished the Python for Everybody course, and I'm doing a, another Python course to go into some of the AI, ML components. Um, same reason, right? We spend all of our time, you know, I, I'd done hardware for a long time, and the first time I got in a major project that had a bunch of software people, even software people aren't the same, right? DBAs versus app developers are two different, different, yeah, different, two different, different, different groups. Yeah, um, a certain type of person. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and then understanding uh, what actually goes into it beyond just a cursory understanding of a join or something, right? Be able to actually go write some of that and, and see how it ties in from an application layer and what really drives their needs. So it, it's been really helpful for me as well beyond you know my in-job day-to-day training versus, mm-hmm. I mean, people run Python or code on our stuff, but we never have a reason to talk about it, right? And I think that makes us worse for it. And so I think it's good that both of I are, both you and I have been able to do some of that. Yeah, like, and you know, Coursera actually is awesome platform. So, you know, put a pause on the University of Washington program. Um, Just, you can only miss four days. And just with our travel schedule, I'm going to miss, I'm going to miss four days, right? And then, uh, and then I think it's all day Saturday, um, which if you're gone all week, that's just tough. So anyway, I, I, yeah, and you already have a real career, like <laughs> you know. Well, yeah, I'm not going to be an app developer. Yeah, yeah, at the end of it, yeah. Um, so I decided to kind of stick with the Coursera courses and just go through that, which that's a whole other thing too. So for those listening who are not familiar with Coursera, I just introduced Coursera to a couple people. I know for if you're hey, in the tech, Christian world, introduced it to me. Well, if you're in a tech role, you take things for granted because we deal with it all the time or you hear about it. I introduced it to somebody whose um, uh, their career is in education and they specifically deal with policy and peace building and things like that. Like, you cannot get any further away from what we do for a living to what this person does. And she was able to find classes that were related like some supplementary classes to help with her career so anyway if you're listening if you've not used Coursera and there's a lot of them out there like there's a I'm by MIT right Coursera's got some major universities um there's there's a deeplearning.ai or something is a really good one for deep technical and there's some other classes too like if you want to learn like Photoshop I cannot remember the name of this website but it's like adobe.com no No, I'm sure um but uh, there's a lot of companies that sprung up. You know, I did a uh, – um, Seth Godin had a uh, – what they call it, the Alt-MBA. So essentially um, what I got out of it, which was extremely uh, uh, transformative program for me, but I went in there with the title Alt-MBA. I went into the program thinking it was going to be uh, business-related. Mm-hmm. And it was – this is what I'm going to say. I don't think this is what Seth Godin is trying to say that it is, but it felt like it was a personal development course. Um, it helped with like communication. Um, the big thing that they say is just ship it, just get your stuff done. How do you go through that, that confusing part of your mind in terms of, 
oh, I don't want to do this, or I don't know how to do this, to just getting it done, right? So they can help with that. But then just like interpersonal communication, self-talk, but they put, but they frame it in a very business-like manner, which that thought that was really interesting. So I did that a year ago, and that was, uh, and again, met some really cool people through that in all sorts of industries. Yeah, I um, I was joking with somebody the other day. I was like, I don't really know what my career is right now, right? Because I'm not really a sales guy anymore, and I might be a marketing guy. I don't really know. Uh, but we were <laughs> joking around, how boat, do you go yeah. do professional development outside of a technologist-type role, right? And uh, somebody brought to my attention a great one. I haven't found the course yet, um, uh, but executive writing. Ooh. How do you write? Or I mean, when we do communication, and I, I won't say I'm bad at it, um, but that executive communication that you see is a different style. Um, and I'm sure you've all seen just the guy that can't write an email to save his life. I mean, there's a far difference in that and being proficient versus how do you really take it to the next level. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm excited to, to start kind of engaging in some of that. Yeah, Which I hate, right? It's like drawing. It's something I've been like, I never liked to write when I was a mm-hmm. kid. It kind of all fell under the same category of I didn't want to go do that. I want to be outside. Um, but, you know, it's one of those things I think you put your mind to for six weeks or something and you can really make leaps and bounds improvements that will last with you for life. Yeah, I have a buddy of mine. He's, um, I have to let him listen to this podcast. Like He's in the film industry, Some a friend I went to high school with. And, I mean, this is what he, I mean, he's, this is what he's always wanted to do. He's, he's uh, been involved in some pretty big, notable films. He's uh, done uh, cinematography and a lot. So anyway, point being, he's in, he deals with film and lighting and stuff like that. So um, went to visit him in New York City recently, and uh, he's learning how to be a ham radio operator. And I was like, what on earth, like, what made you want to do that? And he said, you know, it's funny, like, I said, again, went to high school together. He's a brilliant guy, right? And uh, he said, it's interesting because it's just something I've always wanted to do for whatever reason. Um, but then it's also an odd blend of mathematics mm-hmm. and creativity in this radio. And uh, never would have thought about that. And then after looking into it, I'm like, crap, that sounds like something I want to put on my list at some point. It's it's on my list. I've actually done all the practice tests for it. Really? And then okay. you have to like, it's a community-based federal license. Mm-hmm. And uh, you got to go find somebody that can give you the test. And I just haven't gotten around to like going and taking the, re- well, now I'd have to go just, study it again. Well, I just gave you somebody, right? Yeah, that's perfect. <laughs> uh, but I think you have to be like in your neighborhood and go drive oh, really? over to them. Um, well, he said it's crazy because you can like, it's a very community-based. Yeah. Like, like, it's a, it's a, one of the things I love about it is it's, it's federal, federally regulated. There are laws like any other laws. Yeah. I mean, there are police at the end of the day, but it is the community, the, the citizens develop the guidelines. They, they enforce uh, the guidelines. So cool. Um, they help develop the new guidelines. It's very community involved, democratic process of government right. versus so much else. It's like government made a rule and it's kind of like what they've done with drones where, um, you know, FAA regulates it, but it's been just a tremendous amount of the community's involvement back into mm-hmm. their own pro- programs. Yeah. Um, anyways, I think it's been really cool. Well, you know, uh, I'm embarrassed to say I had a friend of mine uh, ask if I had skied before. I think you've asked this before. And I've asked you a hundred times. And I answer is embarrassingly no. So this year, I'm actually, uh, for sure, taking skiing lessons. Um I know a place. Do you, okay, let me know. Because I... Why are you looking... Oh, you? 
No, not me. <laughs> like I'll just pick you up if you fall over. That's it. I, <laughs> okay. uh, I got a t-shirt, the, the ski patrol shirt. It says, uh, you fall, we haul, right? Um, you do you do this somewhere I should go. Oh, yeah. I mean, so, yeah, our mountain, snow, Summit at Snoqualmie, 30 minutes up the road. I mean, it's it's 30 minutes from your house, and they've oh, got a so great ski school. That's okay, same place was yeah, recommended yeah. to me. Okay. Yeah, it's a... Uh, it's close. There's a lot of great ski schools. There's like one ski instruction program. It's like a national type mm-hmm. certification. So, you know, um, you can go find some really good stuff. I'll ask around and see if there's a good, you know, adult learning instructor up there for you. I'll take, I'll go to the um, kitty course. Sorry. You got to go to the kitty course, but you still want, you don't want like <laughs> the person that's teaching the three-year-old. Here's, hold your pole. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, their center of gravity is a lot lower. They can fall over. Um, no. All right. Well, so, you know, Christian and I are sitting at the, Dell Technologies building today, and the sun is setting over the Puget Sound, and it's starting to get a little too romantic for a podcast in here. And I don't know where the light switches are. So, yeah. do you have any uh, final notes for, I mean, uh, obviously you and I both follow it. I know you've done a lot of language learning also, and started to do some travel with that, which I think is really cool. Because um, I just kind of mob into a country with a hello, <laughs> goodbye. Yeah, I learned some basics, but no real, no real long-term communication. Well, I was learning Spanish specifically, just so... For, uh, for the audience, so wanted to focus my travels in uh, Latin or South America and Latin American countries. Um, but uh, my niece is learning French, and so uh, I'm not actually taking formal class. I just picked up Duolingo on my phone. I like that course. And it's actually, and with with having a Spanish foundation, it's. I've been kind of cruising through it. So this is, so again, it's one of those things I didn't think I was going to learn French. Um, you know what? Actually, take that back. After I went to Montreal, um, I was like, you know, I want to learn to just function with people. And I know it's a difference that, you know, it's not quote unquote proper French, but still just having the basic words and ask, be able to ask directions would be important for me. Yeah. So functional, functional language. But anyway, Spanish, I want to learn on the, lot more um, in depth. advanced and depth and depth level yeah but uh yeah man um this was a good one uh be able to uh you know be able to crank this podcast up again that, that was good and then just you said a couple of things too i need to uh, make sure that i'm always learning myself one new one thing a year that's not even really asking that much no but it's surprising if it's a, a little more advanced than just you know, a, a quick shuffle through something, right? Yeah. It, uh, yeah. One new thing a year will keep you entertained. And then, you know, you keep building you on it over time, but yeah. then it's that next new thing is always something I really look forward to every year because I'm like, all right, what am I going to go get myself into now? Can, well, before we before we go, let me ask you a question. Do you actually watch TV? I do. I personally put on Family Guy reruns. <laughs> okay. You're so busy all the time. I'm like, does this dude, like, actually kick up his feet and watch TV or something? There's a lot of hours in the day. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. All right, man. Well, bonsoir. All right. Adios. Bon nuit. Great. Bonsoir. Bon nuit. Whatever. <laughs> uh, oh, um, reach out to us, right? We've got TalkingIO.com. Uh, you can reach me at Stuart at work. And I'm at CCloudIO at Twitter. Thank you all for listening to us, listening and joining with us in the new season. See ya. This has been another episode of Talking IO with hosts Christian Cloud and Stuart Harmon. We appreciate you listening. Follow us on TalkingIO.com or on Twitter at TalkingIO. 